Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Uh, that welcome back is more of a welcome back to myself than a welcome back to you, because if you listened to last week's episode, you will recall that I was stuck in the great New York City blizzard of 2016. It was fun. It was sloshy. I would do it again, probably. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um... This is Talking Tolkien, and as always, we are bringing you chapter by chapter through the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. We will quickly look back on this day in Middle-earth, as well as last week in the reading, which maybe I should do since I wasn't here for last week's discussion and have a couple of things to add, and then parlay into this week's discussion and, of course, our favorites, both from the text and from the last week of our lives. So, Katie, you want to take it away on this day in Middle-earth, uh, Thursday, February 4th? So today is February 4th, and not a whole lot is happening. They're still resting in Lothlorien. All right. And last week in the text, uh, so I'm going to take it away if you don't mind, Chase. Fun fact, when I w- since I didn't get the opportunity to record with you two last week, I was listening to the podcast on the, the bus, and I kept trying to reply to the both of you with like my thoughts <laughs> because I'm just so used. It was I'm not sorry, happening. I always said it was not happening in real time. I'm just so used to being able to do that. So I had a couple of comments. Uh, One I tweeted at you when you said that, uh, you know, Saruman is like really smart, but he uses his intelligence for evil. I thought, oh, he's just like Ted Cruz. Mm -hmm. Like everybody talks about how smart he is, but they hate him because (laughs) of the way he uses it. Uh, So normally I would not compare anybody in Tolkien to a Republican presidential candidate, but I feel like this one's appropriate. Um, other than that, Chase, you said Treebeard's voice reminded you of an oboe. I think you meant bassoon. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. I yeah, I was <laughs> I was off on that one. One of those woodwind instruments. Yeah, a deep, deep ass woodwind instrument. Inst- but instrument. so far, I've only really Ent- inserted instrument. myself into the conversation. Um, so yes, Mary and Pippin got free. They wandered in the woods. They. Well, uh, Mary was like, oh, I almost like these woods. Or maybe it was Pippin. And then a voice was like, well, that's kind of you. And then this talking tree picked them up and they walked through the forest with them and learned about the Ents and what happened to the Entwives. And then the Ents came together and decided to attack Isengard because Saruman has turned bad. Yeah. All right. So that's about it. And now on to this week's discussion. Anyway, all right. Return to so CSI this week Middle in Earth. the text, chapter five, the White Writer. This is one of my favorite chapters. I'm just going to say that right out there. It was it's so good. One of it my favorite so chapters good. in the entirety of the Lord of the Rings. I already can't contain myself because I just right. loved it so much. So, as Chase yeah. mentioned at the end of last episode, uh, if you feverishly read ahead, excited for the attack on Isengard, you instead are immediately met with Gimli complaining about how cold he is. <laughs> right. And I, flapping his arms and such, which is like, I, I I think when people complain that they're cold, like, I, I could see, I, I can so see that flapping your arms and stomping your feet. <laughs> It's just like it's like a walrus. I, right? I just thought of a walrus, you know, like like just oh, oh, oh. it was just a, a an, an appropriate characterization, I think. <laughs> but yeah, so we once again this chapter we rejoin our other three heroes, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli, and 
we've woken up. It's the next morning. Remember, we had that scare seeing the old man at the edge of the forest. And, of course, we're scared anyway because we're near the near Fangorn Forest. Which is supposedly dangerous, but we know better. <laughs> right. Uh, our, our heroes are not yet privy. Um, and we thought it was Saruman. Well, Gim- Gimli specifically thought it was Saruman, right? Um, and then we kind of at the beginning of this chapter were... Tolkien sets us up to be questioning and wondering about what's happening because first Gimli reiterates that we saw the old man last night and it was Saruman. He's he's pretty darn sure of it. And then Legolas is thinking about, remember when the horses bolted last night? They, they didn't sound frightened. They sounded happy. They sounded gleeful, right? Yes. And so... That's something we're kind of immediately starting to think, okay, pay attention maybe to to, to our surroundings right now. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> so we regain the hunt to try and find the hobbits. Yes. And they're, you know, if you recall, they're at the kind of mass grave orc at the slaughter fields. Sorry, that sounds like a... Um, you were t- I feel the, like you're the, talking yes, about the I was going to say a Roland right Joffy film, so thank you for uh, refreshing. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Uh, they aren't sure if the hobbits are alive because they know that the um, Rohirrim do such a, a thorough job. But, uh, you know, they're looking around and Gimli's like, Aragorn can notice like a bent blade of grass, but even this might be a bit of a challenge for him. But of This yeah, is Aragorn's of, thing. Th- yeah. Of yeah, course, Aragorn does find some information, and he's like, "Oh, look, here's like, well, here's a mallow yes, leaf from Lorien, small crumbs on it, and a few more crumbs in the grass, and here are some pieces of cut rope." And Gimli's like, "Oh, and here's the knife, and, and here's a video recording of and them the, escaping." <laughs> and here, and here is one of I. I'm sure that we both marked the same thing because what happens next is yep, some Legolas yep. sass. I was trying to beat you to the punch, but you <laughs> got me. Too. So go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we found these clues now, and Legolas is of course putting them together and saying, "Well, these must have been hobbits then, because only a hobbit would sit up and eat in the midst of this kind of." slaughter that happened here um and then you know kind of tries to reason out what happened and says perhaps they sprouted wings and flew off that's the explanation which is the sassiest way the only way we could find them is if we also had wings it was if we also had wings and could sprout off (laughs) yeah that was that was great uh but of course legolas did not have the story quite right and aragorn Pretty much then figures it out. Basically, Aragorn just spouts off and you're going through sentence by sentence saying, yep, you got that right, sir. You got that pretty much right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now they once again have a trail to follow and, of course, quite a bit more hope that they'll find their friends. So now they can begin to follow the Hobbit so, prince. Yep, they go into the forest and, in fact, do see prince. Uh and very quickly, they come to the Entwash, and he says, you know, oh, these are definitely Hobbit friends, but they're a little too light for me to be able to figure much out. Well, they, they keep referring to a singular. Yeah, there, it, are, there, are, times, there are times when, they, you know, when he can only kind of really 
track one and then eventually he does say oh no there were there were two here yeah, thank like, god I hope, yeah i hope it's two i'm going uh, to assume it's two i i hope it's two yeah and again we're we're feeling a bit more hopeful and they track the hobbit prince finally up to uh treebeard's rock wall where uh, <laughs> Dude, treebeard's Pippin rock wall had... sounds like the name of like a, a bouldering gem <laughs> hey katie you need to like make a bar and just call it. And what call was it, it Treebeard's Rock Wall. Yeah, Treebeard's Walk Rock Wall. Ah, why is it so See, hard for to say? Well, maybe that's not good then if people can't pronounce yeah, that's it. That's probably good. You're but probably right. I would serve and draft there, and I I don't know other things. Start a whole franchise of Lord of the Rings theme. Christopher Tolkien would love that. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's like that pub that was named The Hobbit somewhere in England, and like Warner Brothers, I think tried mm-hmm. to sue to prevent them from using a name, even though they've been named that for like fifty years. And I think it was Stephen Fry who personally put up the money for them to license the trademark. I thought also Ian McKellen too. Like I thought it was like a group effort. But regardless, at Treebeard's Rockwall, not my pub, yeah. but the actual well, place one, where one more note, one more note. I have been in Cambridge, Massachusetts, not England, uh, a bar right near Harvard called Grendel's Den. So there's definitely you know like the yeah. Precedent. Hey, you know what? Tolkien loved Beowulf. Anyway, I'm sorry. Seriously? No more tangents. That makes sense. When they, so they climb up to the top, and who do they see at this moment? But that, that dude. Once again, far off in the distance, they turn around, yeah, and see this kind of hooded and cloaked, bent old figure that's walking around and kind of looks like a beggar he's almost described as with kind I, of I just rags love that on, he's right? both wearing a cloak that covers his face and then on top of like the hood is is a hat a wide-brimmed hat <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's right. incognito uh, you know i i think if anything that's a little inconspicuous but it's kind of creepy, actually, in a way. I mean, like, he's like, and also they note that they, he's like turned towards them, well, but they can't see his face because he's shadowed right. in the hood and the hat. And they've kept seeing him, too, but then he'll disappear, and it's it's all very spooky, And it, in they addition dis- to the fact that this forest itself is very spooky. They note that they see his beard and, like, the tip of his nose, and maybe, maybe well, a and, glimpse And when they eye. were, like, right. entering the forest, you know, they were all kind of uneasy, and uh, they were talking about their uneasiness i suppose and legolas was like i could have been happy here if i had come in days of peace and gimli says i dare say you right you were a wood elf anyway the elves are any kind of strange folk yet you comfort me where you go i will go but keep your bow ready to hand and i will keep my axe loose in my belt not for use on trees he added hastily looking up at the tree from under under which they stood (laughs) i do not wish to meet that old man at unawares without an argument ready to hand that is all (laughs) <laughs> right yeah be be careful to mention that we're not here to harm the trees right so yeah so once again they see this this old man the the this figure that seems to pop up uh, very often and of course instantly Gimli says it, it's Saruman this this is definitely Saruman attack, attack, and ah. and tells Legolas to shoot him he tells him take take your bow and shoot him the dude and, is surprisingly spry yeah, but also, so, you know, and Legolas kind of begins to draw his bow, but also feels some strange resistance within him against yeah. doing this. That he can't quite put his finger on, but just feels uneasy about shooting at the stranger. And Aragorn very wisely tells them, 
uh, let's we should spe- at least speak to him first so we're sure of oh, who yeah. he is, right? We shouldn't just shoot him. We don't we don't know who he is. And again, yeah, his face is obscured. They can't quite see him. But the old man sees them and he greets them as old friends. He greets them in a very friendly manner. Yet kind of seemingly doesn't friendly, yes, but doesn't seem to yeah. necessarily remember them. Right. Yeah, but definitely pleasant. Almost like, I don't know, for me it was that that feeling when you go to like a, a restaurant you used to be a regular at or, you know, like a, a cafe or something and like the waiter or bartender or whomever like recognizes you, but they can't place it. Vaguely. So they're like friendly, yeah. but it's a little distant. Like that's how I kind of. And I think I think that's probably the most accurate description or, we could give for like that. Or like when you meet your kindergarten teacher, but you're 25, so they like know you were a student, but they don't recognize you. Yeah, I, mean, I had that recently with my fifth grade teacher. So yeah, I I could totally get behind that. They remembered when you were exactly. half your height. <laughs> so this old man wants to come up to speak to, to speak with them, and yeah, he is quite spry. Yeah, he's managing. He's really to, spry. He, you know, and it's we're told that he he looks as though his weariness has completely left him. You know, when they initially saw him, he was sort of bent over, and again described like a beggar, kind of a, a little wobbly, mm. even maybe. But he begins to just you know scuttle up this wall, right? Uh, but in a very sprightly nature, and they see a gleam of white. And of course, this sets Gimli even more on edge. Ah, it's Saruman. Yeah. And now we come to their discussion. And neither party here seems to want to give too much information. Yeah. Yeah. Because so the old man asks them what they're doing here and sort of remarks on... He, he he seems to know what they're up to, seems to know what their plan is, but wants them to to give information. And similarly, Aragorn asks for his name and wants information on this stranger that they've encountered a couple of times. And the dude with the beard is like, I'm the dude. <laughs> <laughs> the dude abides. But sorry, sorry. <laughs> I noted this is this like a point where is this when Legolas says the name yeah the name uh, the, that name yeah the name they so they go back and forth and this the the old man kind of refuses to answer really he doesn't really answer their questions and he even he laughs and I I like the description of the sort of shudder that runs through Aragorn feels like a cold thrill he's, it, <laughs> is the words that are used and not like fear or terror, but like the sudden bite of a keen air or the slap of a cold rain that wakes an uneasy sleeper, which to me just shouts like, Hey, Hey, listen up. Uh, so imagine like right. if I got, if I talked with a ghost and yeah, the old man goes down to wait. Talk to a ghost? Did you just say that? <laughs> yeah, I'm alluding to the future of sorts because we're gonna be we're dancing around it. But you know what I mean? If I ever talk to a ghost, I imagine it'd be like that. It'd be like, oh, this feels weird, you know. 
like walking through a ghost in Harry Potter and no, it I'm feels like actually cold. talking to one. You're anyway, it's not that's it, outside the subject matter, but <laughs> the point I could, is, I could relate. This okay. is a dude you need to listen to, right? And of you know, again, Gimli still on edge sees the glimpse of white and believes this is Saruman, and pretty much not giving any answer, but giving the ultimate answer. The old the old man kind of jumps up throws off this gray ratty cloak that he's had on. Well, but at this moment, like, don't they also try and like attack him? Yeah, yeah. They, well, they like Aragorn had drawn his sword and Gimli because they, they felt when, when he, when the old man moved away to go sit down, they felt this strange hold against them kind of lessen as he moved away and that's when they kind of tensed up again started started to draw their weapons and yeah now it's at this point that the old man sort of takes and well and even at this point legolas had like let loose an arrow and the arrow just kind of like vanished into air Mm -hmm. i mean it says legolas gave a great shot and shot an arrow high into the air it vanished in a flash of flame yeah and you know aragorn drops his sword and so hot it's yeah. like on fire. Gimli kind of Gimli's axe, I think, falls to the ground too. And then Legolas is the first to yell, Mithrandir. We know that name. Yeah. We've known that name for a very long time. And this is the first time in this book for a very long while that the tears I cry <laughs> are happy tears. <laughs> <laughs> because guess who's back? At this this whole scene, this whole reunion scene is so great with the characterization of Gandalf, and I, I want to get into that a little bit later with uh, kind of the ways in which Gandalf has changed, but is also the same. And yeah, so now they, they all look at, or seeing him now, and the description of Gandalf is quite splendid. He's kind of gleaming like sunshine, and you know, his hair is white as snow and imagine his face is actually clean now yeah i always imagined him like really kind of grubby yeah kind of grubby yeah Yeah. definitely feels like he would be cleaner now and i really liked um the eyes under his deep brows were bright piercing as the rays of the sun power was in his hand between wonder joy and fear they stood and found no words to say that's the effect that this has on him because yeah exactly like you said like you're talking to a ghost that yep that's exactly what i meant he's a little beyond a ghost of course because yeah this is clearly the the flesh and bone of their friend that they had seen at this yeah and at this point aragorn says gandalf and yeah gandalf is like oh yes that name yeah that rings a bell now yeah, he says that's that's I was I was Gandalf. He says. Oh. Well, and and they kind of like th- this is around the point when they we they kind of realize also that he's just kind of his memory is not that that great right now. Yeah, he's a little all over the place. Uh, he starts talking. He's Gandalf is a guy who talks in riddles, but I feel like he's <laughs> he always, always has. But he's always a little cool about like explaining himself. And right now he is like at his peak. In fact, they even note, you're talking in riddles. We don't get what you're saying. He's at his peak code-speak Gandalfness. <laughs> yes. But taken to the nth power. Yeah. Well, the, the best power. part... 
Ha, I'm ha. sorry. I'm sorry. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. I'm no sorry. No more ent jokes. <laughs> they were quite entertaining. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, speaking of riddles, when they when Legolas accuses him of speaking in riddles, Gandalf says, "In riddles? No, I was I was taking an old habit, or I was taking." on a habit of the old, they speak to the wisest person in the room because they don't want to explain things to young people. <laughs> so he's basically saying, oh yeah. no, I'm just, yep. I'm just talking to myself because I'm smarter than you guys. <laughs> yeah, which I guess, so we got some Legolas sass earlier and now we get Gandalf sass. Um, but yeah, he basically says, you know, but they, thought, they, they say, but you're all in white. We thought you were Saruman. And he said, yeah, Gandalf says, yes, I'm white now. Indeed, in one sense, I am Saruman. Uh, kind of saying, you know, like I've taken his place. I should, or, and what Sar- Saruman should have done, right? Yeah. I, that was what I really liked. He says, "I'm Saruman as he should have been," right? Um, because again, there is a purpose of the Astari, and we've just dis- discussed before that Saruman failed in that purpose yes. and strayed from it. And Gandalf also tells them um, something that. Is seems kind of comforting, but also ominous at the same time, and says that he's come to them at the yeah. turn of the tide. Yeah, I, I've specifically pulled that section out because mm-hmm. he said it, it, it's 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 uh, it's uh, it's uh, I, I had it I had it I had it I had it I had it. <laughs> Be merry, we meet again at the turn of the tide. The great storm is coming, but the tide has turned. Yeah, which almost feels, and it's also said here like. I'm going to skip ahead and use a quote that's from later, but I feel like it still holds mm-hmm. that hope has come back yeah. a little bit, but also notes that um, hope is not victory, which is a line that comes up later, but it, cause it's just like, we all feel great. And we're talking, we're like, it's almost like a moment where like Aragorn and team and Gandalf compare notes. They're like going over, Oh, what's happened since we've all been gone? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we've gone through here and down to here and over here and saw this and Gimli got some hair. It was weird. And, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> and that, yeah, you know, Gandalf has come back to them and, and it seems like they're, we're at a precipice, but at the same time, things are still very tumultuous. Yes. So at this point, um, they're eager to know what Gandalf so, knows. And previously, before he had revealed his identity, yeah. he did kind of reveal that he knew some things about them because he said, like, I know you're looking for two hobbits and it will, you know, yeah. may it comfort you to know that they met somebody two days ago that they were not expecting. And so he talks a little bit about how Mary and Pippin were with Treebeard, um, explains who Treebeard is. Uh, Aragorn and Legolas are like, oh, wow. And also and notes that's like, I thought that was, you know, like ancient speak or whatever. Um, and Gandalf was like, no, Treebird mm-hmm. is like the oldest living thing ever. Which messed me up. Like, <laughs> I have gone through this since the Silmarillion, knowing who is the oldest of the old. And then I meet Treebeard and I realize, oh, wow, he's the oldest of the old. Yeah, well, he's one of the oldest living things still on uh, uh, on Middle Earth at this point. This chapter blew my mind twice. Which, yeah. That was number one. We'll move um, on number and then two they were talking about like the position they're in and what the Dark Lord knows, what Saruman knows, what their positions are. Um, that was what blew my mind number two mm-hmm. because I actually, I feel like I've gone a long time in this book not quite getting the plan a little bit, mm-hmm. but then the moment 
basically Gandalf notes that the ring is outside her help, but that's okay. Yeah. That's good. In many ways, that's good. What Sauron is doing right now is he's got his eye trained not on Mordor, but elsewhere. Because what he is expecting is that if anyone has the ring, they're going to try and use it against him, which we talked about before. But I never quite got that is where his gaze is, is on Minas Tirith and like nowhere else. And again, Gandalf says that it has not even yet occurred to Sauron and doesn't seem that it will. He, you know, it, 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 it doesn't. The thought doesn't even pass his mind that someone would be coming to Mordor to destroy the ring. His idea is someone using it against him. So yeah, the fact if we the fact that his gaze is away from protecting Mordor right now is the best possible thing for Frodo, and that's one of the things of utmost importance is that that continues to be so. Because that is one of those things of, I, it's back to that thing of Sauron has been around for a very long time and has seen many other dark lords and such either fall or just victories or battles fought with this perception of using the bad, like using an evil force against him, but always with force. And then it's like he's sitting there going like, this is just going to happen again. It's just going to be like old times. It's just going to be like the same old wars over and over again. We're doing the same dance again. <laughs> But Gandalf is smarter, and the plan works. Is is so the thing that will actually destroy him? We're just going to keep it as far away from him as we possibly can. And this is actually a perfect segue into something that I want to discuss here, because so Gandalf has basically experienced death and come back from it. He's been sent back. He tell he tells us the story of what happened with the Balrog after he fell. Um, which is nuts. Yeah. Which is crazy. Which he says, you know, they fell together and battled and was he was scorched by the thing's fire, right? And then they plunge into this exceedingly cold water all the way to the depths. And, the and then Bell it becomes rocks. this slimy creature Yeah, thing. that was so cool. Mm-hmm. I, I love that imagery just because... Well, I, like how he, I like how he compared him to like, like a snake. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like this like giant monster that is just probably excreting flammable like it's not actually like fire coming from inside but it's excreting like this flammable goop and it can't ignite like, so it's just, just like lighter fluid. Yeah, just and it's just like it's just like fluid. covered in like this fluid and it's just <laughs> coming after him like I I just I dug that. That's so, great. But they fall down and the way it's described is the underworld. You know, he says this we're beneath even farther than where the the, the dwarves had delved. We're under the very foundations of the earth and then climb up the endless stair so now they come back up and come to the 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 highest peak in the misty mountains and that's where they fought and that's where gandalf eventually succeeded in casting the beast down to its death this is this is like and like and like the it's causing a storm that can yeah. be seen for miles. This is some heavy metal stuff. Like, like it is great. This is some next level. Like just like uh, it's insane. I, I mean, loved it. It's great. We know how many metal bands have been influenced by Tolkien. This is indeed very metal. <laughs> this is one of the most metal deaths in Middle Earth. Uh, G- Gandalf. Yeah, he go. He fights this thing down to the underworld and then back up the the endless stair to Durin's tower and. In many ways, Gandalf deserved that rest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, you know, basically himself, he he dies, right? He says he goes out of time. 
and days for him were as long as a lifetime and age. I actually had this super weird thought that somewhere at any time, the the battle actually technically probably went on for so long, it's still happening <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> like, it's still happening somewhere outside of time and space and reality because that was such how epic of a fight it was. And that not only did Gandalf die, but he just has, like, transcended time and space to such a degree that he has come back as even more Gandalf than he ever was before. Well, he, he is, though. <laughs> he truly, when he returns, he's you know, has become Gandalf the White now. And again, he's himself to the nth power, sort of. Um, I'm, oh, I, I said it again. Um, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. You said it. So, <laughs> I said it. I but, said it again. <laughs> but he was, he was sent back because his task was not yet complete. So remember that Gandalf originally was sent here to bring out kind of the great, powers of the free peoples and, and to guide them you're so not at this point he's not done, not done yet here or why here the eagle comes and like scoops him up and gandalf is like man i feel like i'm he's becoming like a-, a burden to you and why is like well not really you're so emaciated that if i let you go you just kind of float down uh and gandalf gandalf <laughs> is like very please light. please don't do that That's please the- actually re- i really like please that take me to love like a very like frail like even if he is like being rebirthed into a, a much more powerful creature like in this moment he's very weak and kind of afraid and mm-hmm. he says yes please take me to Lothlorien and mm-hmm. Gwaihir was like oh I was already doing that that was the plan Lady Galadriel sent me she's on so, she's on she's so on the ball when We're, yeah. hear Lady Galadriel a certain dwarf's ears perk up <laughs> and Gandalf is like oh yeah she comes with tidings uh, Aragorn she says LSR LSR she basically tells Aragorn, so the, the messages that Gandalf relays, Aragorn and Legolas, they're not very happy messages. She basically yeah. tells them about their deaths. And so then, you know, Gimli asks, was there no word of the lady for me? Well, no, actually, Gimli's message was, well, because, was, was because quite nice. Because when Gimli says <laughs> Good this, tidings. Legolas is like, you really, you want to hear of your death? And Gimli's like, I want to hear anything from Gladriel. Yeah. But but actually, her words for him, yeah, again, were were rather encouraging. But the the thing though that I want to talk about Gandalf very quickly before we move on any further is that so you know we he told us this this tale now and we know that he's been reborn and remade and renewed and has indeed come back much more powerful than before. And he tells us that some things he remembers, some things that he had he had forgotten, he relearned. But there are still some things that he does not quite yet remember and also can't quite see. But Gandalf comes back in... in, I mean, what I want to say is that Gandalf has always been wise, right? Yes. Um, But now we have Gandalf even more with that experience of having died and come back. Gandalf is renewed as well in his wisdom in that he is even more perceptive to the enemy and has this ability to think like him or know what he's thinking, which is 
something that's very well, very useful. Well, and I don't remember the exact friends. order of all of this stuff because when Gandalf is you know like describing kind of his new powers or abilities, uh, he is of course comparing himself to Saruman, and they talk about where Saruman went wrong. Um, and one of the mm-hmm. you know the members of the fellowship, uh, or what are we calling them now? One of the members of the group says something about how strong their foes are meaning the Nazgul and Gandalf was like actually I'm the most powerful being you're going to meet unless you meet Sauron um, you know himself um I'm really mm-hmm. jumping all over the place because we still need to talk about Saruman because they t- you know they do discuss like what Saruman is doing and you know yeah. why why Aragorn noted earlier that it looked like the two hobbits had been carried to the spot where they escaped by an orc why would they do that and they hypothesize you know Gandalf basically says oh well I don't think that the orcs knew about the ring, but I think it's likely that one orc wanted to like bring the prize himself, uh, you know, like claim all the glory. Uh, and then they tell him what happened to Boromir, mm. and he's like, "Wow, okay, it's sad, but it's also kind of good because I always knew Boromir was going to be tempted, and it's a good thing that in the end he he wasn't." Yeah, redeemed. Um, yeah, yeah. And he yeah, had this, redeemed this totally himself. shows that they were told to bring hobbits back alive. So, you know, that's that's what happened. Um, and then talking about like the, the kind of clash between the Urukai and the orcs and the fact that Saruman is trying to usurp power for himself uh, and how he's he's getting really rash and attacking Rohan and kind of just yes, detailing Saruman's plans. Yeah. And this. Yeah. Again, this this is just illustrating my uh my thought of of how Gandalf has shown himself now to have even more to be even more perceptive as to the enemy and the goings on there because everything's sort of coming together in seeing what what Sauron had tried to achieve through Saruman and how Saruman's own yeah. um, greed and lust for power had uh, now broken this thing to ki- kind of make, Sar- make Sauron himself a little weaker because we've got now Isengard to worry about as well as Minas Tirith. Yeah. Or he does rather, not not we. Um, and then oh, there was another bit in there that I really liked too uh, when they were talking about Fangorn, uh, because they asked about the hobbits, and indeed Gandalf knows that the hobbits met Treebeard, and they're marching on Isengard now. Uh, and Gimli again says, "Wait, what? I, I thought Fangorn was dangerous. We were told uh, it was I'm dangerous." Sorry, Katie, and could you repeat what, um, get- what's happening to the hobbits? They're taking yeah. the hobbits to Isengard. Yes, that's exactly is that what you what wanted, wanted me to say? say? Oh no! Oh no! Your podcast is canceled. Just try to get that out of your head now. I'm sorry. I'm. I really am sorry. I have to end the podcast with it now. <laughs> but what I wanted to say about Fangorn being dangerous is then that Gandalf has a really great response, and he says. I, well, I suppose you could say that Fangorn... Chase is broken over here, by the way. 
uh, I suppose you could say that Fangorn is is dangerous. Um, it, it's perilous. It's very old, and there's a lot of power there. But then again, I'm very dangerous. I'm the okay, most that's dangerous thing that you yeah, will yeah, encounter. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But then he also goes on to say, and so is Aragorn, and so is Legolas, and so are you in your own right, Gimli, son of Glowin. And Glowen. so are you, the reader. You and are dangerous in your own way. <laughs> yes, we, we all are. We're I all, have expected that. <laughs> we are all grave and perilous, guys. That's... Like, Gandalf is operating at such a crazy level that if he referenced me, the reader, I would be like, okay. okay. And, and Aragorn would be like, what are you talking about? You're talking to riddles again. Um, but yeah, so now... They've kind of all caught up at this point and seem to be more similarly on the same page. Well, and also stating the fact that we shouldn't follow Mary and Pippin. They're good. They're fine. Don't worry about them. Mm-hmm. Also, don't worry about uh, Frodo and Frodo's and, and beyond also, our we're help. Pretty certain, like, and then Aragorn's like, we're pretty certain Sam went with him. I was like, oh, figures. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Gandalf <laughs> seemed he seemed very pleased, not necessarily surprised, but pleased and kind of like I, I, I knew he would. <laughs> and now that this aspect, this like this section of the fellowship or they know what their next mission is, is okay. basically to to go to. What I are you doing? I was going to say, <laughs> you know, at the end of of uh, 10 things I hate about you. Where Kat is telling her dad is like, oh yeah, Bianca like kicked some guy's ass last night, and rather than getting mad, her dad is like, oh, wow, good for her. <laughs> like that's what I was imagining, <laughs> yeah, you know? kind of like that doesn't yeah. surprise yeah. me, but good for her. <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, they know that the mission is to go to Theoden, right? Because there's work to be done Where's there. Again? I know he's in Rohan, the, but Adaris. Like they mentioned this specifically, the specifically, the, the capital city of Rohan is Adaris, and uh, they're going to his hall, um, uh, Mediseld. Okay. Uh, which is the the great kind of golden hall, and we'll see it in um, at Adaris. But that's yeah, that's where they must but, go now. But because, Katie, but Katie, it's a long trip by foot. It is a long it's trip. A really long trip by foot, and we don't have any horses. Well, not to worry because I am the White Rider. <laughs> but actually, I, I right before that, so you know, Gandalf's saying, "We you know we will go to Adaras too." And uh, there's this moment where G- Aragorn once again looks like a king, and then Gandalf is kind of looking back at him like this, like shining beacon of power, yeah. right? And we ha- again, we have this transformative moment for the both of them we've we've had several before where we have this glimpse of a transformative kind of moment for aragorn kind of stepping up into his and then like you got like you got like gimli and like legolas kind of looking at each other like what's going on we've also forgotten one important point Um, um when they were discussing saruman and like what had happened to him gandalf had alluded to like boy i hope saruman is not away from isengard when things go down uh, but he's been patient <laughs> and he hasn't been paying attention to the right things and he's been traveling himself to meet his messengers. Uh, so, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. And f- he, but, but yeah, he did. He was, he was well, the old so, man who yes, showed up Gimli that night. Well, then is like, oh, so then it was just you we saw last night, right, Gandalf? And Gandalf was like, hmm, I was, no. 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 Not me. And uttered one of the best lines of the book, he was late for once, which is a nice touch for especially what we know about wizards, which shows that Saruman not exactly on top of his game at all. Because a wizard arrives precisely when, when he means to. to. Um, but yeah, but there was this great. Don't shake your head at me like that. 
I noted it too, so I... But th- one of my favorite lines in this chapter, though, as they're, again, Aragorn is looking very kingly, and uh, Gandalf is looking like, again, a shining beacon of wisdom, and Aragorn tells Gandalf, you are our captain and our banner. The Dark Lord has nine, but we have one mightier than they, the White Rider. He has passed through fire and the abyss, and they shall fear him. And we will go where he leads. And this, like, for me, was like, yes, yeah. Um, so it, it's at this point that that Gandalf basically tells them what happened he, he's with a, the Balrog, he's a, which I had gone he's through a Banff, earlier. A but badass Mithrandi, your friend. <laughs> there you go. Um, but so now, at after Gandalf tells them about Moria. And gives them their messages from Galadriel. Now it's time. We need to go to Edoras. And a great moment is about to happen, my friends. A I truly feel like, I feel like this. Moment. I knew yes, you'd I be like so big onto this. Child, Katie, this is when you had like your first great awakening. Yeah, it was like it was literally like I was reading. That could like, make this moment this was when more you were Katie kid. is if they were also ice skaters. <laughs> If 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 Shadowfax I'm, had ice skates strapped to his put, feet, I wouldn't put it past the Lord of Horses. You know, Shadowfax could do a triple axel in his sleep. Shadowfax. Um. So, yeah, exactly. So Gandalf summons Shadowfax with this strangely piercing whistle, and immediately they hear distant, far off hoofbeats, or at least Legolas does, and notices that there are multiple sets of hoofbeats too because well not just you know Shadowfax is pretty awesome but he couldn't carry all of them at once so uh, Hasuf, our friends Hasafel and Arad that Rohan had sent us before they're coming as well so that's nice and now we meet Shadowfax which yes one of the best moments to ever moment um, the Gandalf's words about him he uh, like I don't I don't even um, does he not shine like silver and run as smoothly as a swift stream that's that's perfect this because this horse is you know again he's not just a horse he's chief chief of the Maras so this the th- these are s- s- very powerful horses this is like the, uh, for some reason my brain went to, because we've not exactly d- gone too deep into this, but that's like, because the wizards are called the... Istari. It? Istari. Mm-hmm. Is this like the horse version of that, in a way? I mean, kind of. You yeah, know, kind the, of, yeah. The Maras are just, I don't it's know like how the, to describe the them. The like, version of a horse. Yeah, the, uh, okay, the, the yeah, Numenorian yeah. version of horses. Yeah, they, we'll go with that. Um so basically, you know, Gandalf and Shadowfax are, are best friends and they will go into battle together. Besties. And it's great. Um, he, you know, and also this is so not even Theoden, who is king of Rohan, and Rohan is known for their magnificent horses, has looked upon a horse like this. Shadowfax is the horse of all horses. Damn straight. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, Aragorn has his friend Hasafel and Legolas has his friend Arad and Gimli's going to ride with with Gandalf which is a great privilege 
That is quite the privilege. A great privilege. Because, again, we were told before, you know, Shadowfax, not just anybody can ride Shadowfax. I imagine it feels like, I imagine riding Shadowfax is, like, smooth. Oh, yeah. Like. As smooth as. You don't even, you're like, it's just like, it feels like you're. Smooth as silk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was expecting one of you to, Um, like, take exception to that comment. So I'm amused that you both. All right, so Katie, what was your favorite moment? (laughs) Um, Do you even have to tell us? I mean, I figure it's. I mean, you know, I've I've said all of my favorite quotes from this chapter already and discussing it, but I clearly my favorite part of the chapter is Shadowfax. It's, I mean, (laughs) horse, best horse. Oh, just the thing, just Gandalf describing fighting that Belrog and just hearing, like, Dragon Force playing in the background, just ripping guitar solos. Like, I just couldn't get past it. I don't, (laughs) I don't like to use this word very often, but it was epic. This is, like, the actual appropriate use of the word epic. That's the appropriate use of the word epic. Like, it is insane well, what I mean, was all going te- down? The fact that you could see it from far away. The word "epic" mm-hmm. would be a poem. Well, we oh, could okay, say that sorry, fight I'm was poetry. Being, I'm just being pedantic. Yeah, the same way that, like, same way as that "Fury of the Storm" by Dragon Force. Mm-hmm. If you don't know who Dragon Force is, by the way, you should go to Spotify or Apple Music and or title yourself, if Dragon you're Force one of. Pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> Highly yes. recommend Fury so, of the Storm. For me, it was just the moment when G- Gimli was like, oh, come on, get Gladriel didn't say anything to me. Like, come on, guys, please. Like, uh-huh. He was just cute. I almost like <laughs> half think that Gandalf was just lying. Like, because it was such a it was such an afterthought. Oh, yeah. Gandalf was like, oh yeah, he says or she says hi. <laughs> so, any other recommendations? Uh, and it's one. going to be a video game, and it's going to be The Witness. Or yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm kind of jumping the gun, but seriously, guys, uh, I had been waiting eight years for this game that is like the guy was saying, the, the man who was making it, Jonathan Blow, was saying it was going to be a successor to Myst. If you know anything about me, Myst was like my big game when I was a kid, and it still is a game I play every year on my birthday. And this game, The Witness, is so you might say oh, it's, it's so mystical. I c- no, not actually. No, that's not a, a good appropriate word pun. usage for it. No, it's not. I know. I know. It does, none of it worked. None of it worked. We've had too worked. many puns Why? today I already. I, I was I was deprived it's... of making int puns last week. So sorry. <laughs> More mysterious okay, is okay. a better pun. There we go. Uh, but the point of the game is you're just on an island, and you're solving these like grid like these like panels have these like grid like puzzles and it's so deceptively simple because they get extremely difficult after a while and I'm almost to the end now I'm probably gonna this, when they get done recording I'm probably gonna play it and finish it but I have never felt a, a game it's been a long time since I felt a game that has like grabbed me and has made me feel both really stupid and really smart at the exact same time like the thing about the game is like Jonathan Blow when he was making it was talking about like how like you know, he didn't want people to feel smart. He just wanted to reaffirm that they are smart. Because the game right off the bat just assumes you're an intelligent person. And it is it is really hard, but it is so rewarding. And I have really I have really loved it. I, I it's hit me so hard. 
I feel like more people should play it. I like media that assumes that you're a smart person. I think the like, big I like it. Eureka moment for me was I was doing these puzzles and basically I couldn't, there was nothing around it that kind of like showed me what the kind of like, what, what was the trick or anything like that? Cause it's just this panel. that's just flat. That's got all the, like, you just have to draw a line on it and connect things. And then I like got up on top of a pedestal. I was basically just looking around and it was also like midnight. So I was tired. And all of a sudden I noticed that the light was shining on the panel just right from the angle on top of a building that I was that I could see smudge prints where previous people had done the puzzle and that's how I figured it out and as I was looking at it and I just was like I just sitting there going ah oh, this is amazing like and that is not even the craziest sorts of puzzles like they get so cra- some of them I actually do hate like there are some puzzles I do hate there are these ones that use music that I can't do like I hate them but for the most part it's honestly been I wouldn't say it's an easy game, but it's been just really deeply rewarding. So it's coming out to iOS soon, so I recommend if you got an iPad, it's going to be a great iPad game. All right. Katie? I'll have to do it. Um, I guess from this past week, uh, the X-Files came back. And um, so I watched it fully immersed myself in my <laughs> 90s um, kiddom and was I, w- I was very excited and I'm 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 p- for the most part pretty pretty pleased so far I, I've seen the first two episodes so far and I'm I've been pretty pleased I have a couple of concerns but I I, I just think the, the general experience of having a, a kind of another franchise from my youth being rebooted yeah. you know is something that's strange and awesome at the same time you know uh, like hearing that title sequence used as a title sequence rather than a meme where someone like puts some kind of strange picture on their computer and then plays the <laughs> x-files theme over it which is one of my favorite memes but um it, it was like surreal but all, it was it, it was fun it was yeah. just a fun experience I, watching that show. i've seen the first episode i'm kind of in the same place as you like cautiously mm-hmm. optimistic like yeah. it's just it feels like X Files for the most part, right? Uh, and it was, you know, I did did I was thinking right before the title sequence came up, I was like, did they like update it? Nope, the original nope. title sequence, straight up. That's old something psych sequence. It's great. It was it was something that I appreciated so much, and I even like screamed as it was happening. I was like, they <laughs> used the original title sequence. Yeah. It's funny as I was cooking dinner and I saw that and I was like, that's cute. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I literally, I think I said that out loud. All right. Well, <laughs> excuse me. For me, this is maybe the last time I'm going to talk about them. Maybe not. But I finally finished the last book <laughs> in Elena Ferrante's Neapolitan novels. Yeah. Oh, my God. No. Are you okay? No, you're not. That's you're just been your favorite thing. I finished it during the blizzard, and I, like, didn't have anybody around me. And my friend who's reading them alongside me is a book behind. And I'm just like, I need to talk about this with people because. Okay. No, seriously. You know how when you're really like saddest possible sad and you like, you can't even cry, but your like face just kind of starts involuntarily deforming itself. Yeah. Yeah. That was happening to me. Like while reading this book, like truly truly moving and the most kind of guttural incredible way you i mean i really honestly have never read anything quite like these um if Damn. you know 
read them, read them, read them, read them, read them, read them, read them. They're definitely on my list. I have to. The first book is, you know, I'll admit, is a bit of a slog because there are more or less fifty characters that you have to learn. Um, But there's not a single character you you meet that is in vain. Um, They're just truly and amazing works. When was the last time I felt like that? Watch something or reading something or anything like that. I don't know. Um. I felt I felt I felt pretty emotionally moved. Oh, never mind. I'm not, even, All right. not going. Uh, to. I will say as a as a side <laughs> note, um, I recently decided to join Goodreads. So if anybody wants to follow me on there, uh, my username is J O N V O X John Vox, uh, just like my Twitter. So feel free to follow me on Goodreads. I have a Goodreads as well, but I've never I've not touched it in a while. I probably I, should I, I should update it. I haven't used Goodreads in years well it's only because i, I only had one that. friend who used it so now yeah, if i have more same, people who uses it well same it, thing yeah, yeah. Maybe and i don't think i've said this on this podcast again. yet but largely because of reading the neapolitan novels which are in their own way very very kind of um kind of explosively feminist in a way that's incredibly subtle and incredibly um contagious uh, i've decided for my own you know obviously not going to affect this podcast but for my own purposes i'm only going to read fiction by women authors this year uh so that's why i joined it was just so i could track the books yeah good plan i'm gonna sound like a broken record but have you read uh margaret atwood i've or only the hand- mary roach? read the handmaid's tale but there's also that new mary roach body or i mean book about cadavers see i just said body uh that i want to read that's not new. That oh, is really? like her okay. first book. I, I think they just come. Yeah, I think they just she come wrote out with a stiff, new edition of it or something. Then, yeah, stiff, spook, uh, and gulp are two are three of my absolute favorite books. Um, gulp was my absolute favorite. Stiff is incredible, and spook is pretty good. Um, she did one about like like study of sex called Boink. <laughs> that one's good too. But Packing for Mars just wasn't as interesting. But you might dig Packing for Mars. It's about isolation, uh, training astronauts yeah. for isolation. It's pretty interesting, but not nearly as good as Gulp. Well, I actually, I just started because I wanted to kind of switch gears from something as kind of serious and uh, intense as the Neapolitan novels. I just started Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie, which won um, the Hugo and Nebula Awards in 2014. So I would offer my judgment on it, but I'm literally like eight pages in so far. So Yeah. (laughs) So uh, with that, you know, as we segue into the end of the show, I want to issue a special, super awesome, amazing gratitude, thanks, best appreciation note ever to our Patreon <laughs> uh, supporters. We've gotten a, a few new people in yes. the past month, and we hit a, a big goal for us, which was $25. We're pretty comfortably past that now, and we are, in fact, buying some microphone arms and some pop filters and we've got a whole plan of like equipment we can buy to like increase the production quality of our podcast and i just i'm so excited that you guys care enough about our podcast and appreciate what we do enough to uh help us make it better and you know i I just want to say like this this money is only for the podcast we pour it right back into what we do um None of us have used it for our own ends, and we haven't even really reimbursed ourselves for previous purchases. You know, all, all this is about is making the podcast better. So, Because we yes, like it and so we have fun. Huge, huge thank you to all of you out there. Um, it's just kind of hard to believe that, that 
total strangers. Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, it's just cool having like somebody just like comment on our Facebook page about like or, I'm pe- hit, or when I'm start- people tweet us. I'm yeah. starting. I'm starting the Hobbit section, and I got I cracked up over the Silver Millennium thing. You know. <laughs> but yes, thank you, thank you, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to Benjamin, John, Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, Micah, Jacob Verma, Michael Smith, and Brian Osborne. We truly do appreciate every penny and we appreciate every listener and every tweet and every message that we get it's really fun to talk to you guys more jokes about how i mispronounce things which i'm i'm totally cool with oh my god so uh as a, as a closing note you know i work at a bookshop like chase we work at different bookshops although I once worked at the same bookshop um and one of my mm-hmm. one of the managers who is not in my department uh, i just ran into her the other day and just out of the blue she asked me she's like hey do you speak elvish and without even like thinking, I immediately replied, oh, Quenya or Cinderin. And she just laughed. And an, uh, another uh, another manager was like, yep, that was the right answer. And then I remembered, I was like, oh, yeah, I had this discussion with her about my podcast. Right. And I just like, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm building like the reputation of work as like the Tolkien nerd. <laughs> I'm kind of starting to get there too. It sounds apparently because I referenced something on a passing whim from the Silmarillion and nobody got. It. And I was like, "Oh no!" I'm so oh, proud. No, I'm it so proud. I had a really in-depth conversation with somebody in the break room at work today about the failures of the Hobbit movies and how uh, you know Jackson had to kind of streamline the pacing of the Two Towers. Which, by the way, I meant to say earlier and totally forgot. We have not encountered Frodo or Sam in this book yet. I have a theory that he that they're going to come up in the last half. I'm going to keep listening to your theories because again, I, I'm, I'm a no spoiler mm-hmm. kind of person. I mean, we also we forgot <laughs> failed to notice that a lot of they they hit the gap of Rohan and they saw a lot of smoke and stuff billing from one side that would have been the Isengard side, mm-hmm. and Gandalf kind of almost like is like, yeah. oh, wait, that's war. <laughs> that's a war happening. War. That's where we're headed, and that's where we will head next. When week. we read chapter Aww. six of book three of the Lord of the Rings or book one of the two towers, uh, the King of the Golden Hall. <laughs> so thanks for listening, everybody. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated. 